Hello, friends. Seems like that kind of weekend, right? Uh, Fun Belt Podcast is back. Two of the three amigos. Uh, ben Moore, of course, of PantherDuck.com. Dusty Thibodeau of the Warhawk Report. And we are sans Jeremy Harper. Uh, he he, uh, he bailed out, but uh, I have been missing the last two weeks. You guys have been holding it down tremendously. I've listened to every minute of the show uh, just to make sure that I was getting thoroughly bashed and uh, beaten about the head and neck uh, the right way. Um, but yeah, Dusty, man, it's, uh, there's stuff going on, dude. Like, um, you know, we were, we were talking briefly just off air. Uh, the amount of sportage across the Sunbelt landscape is, is kind of getting crazy, right? You got spring practice, baseball, softball, pretty much all the spring sports are, are kind of sprinting toward the last, uh, you know, month, month and a half here. Um, there's a lot going on, man, uh, across the landscape uh, of the fun belt. There is. And I got to make the voyage back to the Bayou at ULM this past weekend, pulled off the trifecta, went to uh, softball, baseball, and then spring football games. Loved every minute of it. I am bright red. Um, maybe I'm a, a little bit of Arkansas state shining through as my redness. It's, it's not really a maroon yet. So Definitely a great weekend on the Bayou. Always good to be back and see ULM, see the Warhawks, see how that program is progressing. But then always following up, watching on ESPN, the different baseball games going around. Really, though, there wasn't a whole lot of baseball this past week. Mother Nature just did not want the Sun Belt to play. So a lot of cancellations. We did get to see, though, Louisiana Lafayette play Louisiana Tech. They split in the midweek. Troy fell to a very good Southeastern Louisiana team out of the Southland. And I know everyone's going to focus on the Southland and, and everyone's mind immediately shifts the football of their FCS. That's a good program. That's probably going to be in a regional. Yeah. It's one of those things too. You know, we, we know that this is where you kind of get the people who follow college baseball and don't right. Cause you always look at the school names on the jerseys and you're starting to kind of relay them to even a men's basketball or, or that, um, you know, when, when you have a divide, it was funny. I was talking to my dad uh, today about it, just talking about how the playing field, it's a lot more level in college baseball. So you're going to see some of these midweek uh, upsets potentially. And I put that kind of in air quotes here, but because you're not getting your weekend starters, um, you know, you got teams that can really hit the ball and they're really talented and, and you know, do well. That That's why to me, it's a lot of fun. You really look at the month of April and the month of May when we start getting into, you know, really kind of the cream of the crop rising in a big way, um, you know, across. And you get these midweek games, even if they're interstate uh, midweek games that are tremendous. And you see a lot of these times where um, the bigger name programs potentially get knocked off by the team that you're not necessarily thinking about uh, or, you know, kind of in the pecking order of things. And. You know, we all know, uh, you know, we went to Sunbelt schools, we're alums of, of Sunbelt schools. When you get an opportunity to knock off one of those teams, uh, when you maybe weren't recruited by them and you're saying, hey, you know what, I'm good enough to play in the Sunbelt. As we know, the Sunbelt's a very good baseball league. You get that opportunity and it, and it fires kids up and uh, coaches too. Coaches want to, you know, prove, hey, I want to go out and beat a Sunbelt team. You mentioned that this past weekend, even at ULM, it was a reunion of the 2012 NCAA regional team that won the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, baseball reunion they were there they were right there with LSU in the NCAA regional in Alex Box Stadium wound up losing I think the final was 5-1 3-1 somewhere around there but they were right there hanging with the big boys and so it's always great to see when you're able to have those games 
the underdog, so to say, is able to kind of really showcase their skill set. And ironically, the pitcher was uh, Randy Ziegler, who had started his career at LSU, then got cut saying, "Uh, sorry, you're just not quite LSU material. So there was even more emphasis, like you said, to really showcase what he could and could not do in in that in that situation. Yeah, and I, and I think across the league, you know, it just kind of shows as well. And when you get that opportunity against, you know, kind of the name program, we've seen certainly with Coastal, we saw it obviously this year with Texas State, you know, knocking off Texas and how big that was, um, you know, for them. And, and you know, at, here, here in Georgia, Georgia State and Georgia Southern get the opportunity to, to try to knock heads with the University of Georgia and Georgia Tech. Um, you know, the biggest thing, it's, it's great for the league when they get those wins, but it's also great for those programs. What's in the water in Atlanta, by the way? Because the Panthers obviously were the hot team in, in basketball. They were really that it team in football. They had a clean sweep this past weekend against the face of Sunbelt Baseball of Coastal Carolina. They're now sitting atop the standings with a seven-game win streak. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really impressive stretch here. Uh, Coach Stromdahl was a guy who was on the staff with Greg Frady. Uh, you know, went, went out and started a program, left GSU and went to um, basically Georgia Gwinnett College, a school that started at NAIA and then moved up, um, you know, to kind of start his own program. And now the Panthers are back. Uh, it, really, this, this is unparalleled success for the last decade. Um, but the talent on this roster is, is they have pitching, they have timely hitting. Um, you know, they got into the coastal bullpen yesterday. Uh, pretty good and then put up four to, to rally back for the victory there. But it, it most definitely was a statement win. And, you know, not not to jump ahead uh, on our show sheet here, but um, there is a seismic series coming this upcoming weekend because they go down to travel rival Georgia Southern, uh, which, again, these two schools already don't like each other. And now you're talking about, I believe, uh, I saw from Warren Nolan, uh, I think Southern checks in at, at 16th in the RPI. And Georgia State is 30th. So these are not just two of the best teams in the Sun Belt right now. These are two of the hottest teams in the country uh, with Southern taking, you know, two of three from Texas State. So um, it's going to be a, a battle. Uh, we, we talked just briefly about, you know, the in-state battles. Georgia State's got a little game with Georgia Tech. No big deal. You know, just a, you know, top 15, top 20 RPI team this week for a midweek game um, over there uh, at Tech. And then they travel down to the Devil's Highway, as I call it, down I-16, uh, to uh, to take on uh, the rival Georgia Southern, but it, it's tremendous. Um, you know, Georgia State right now is having you know a, a great spring across the board. I mean, their tennis programs are on top of the world. Won the Sun Belt. Um, you know, softball. Uh, my you know, shout out to my dad. That's one of the reasons I was talking to him. He's the he's the uh, public address announcer for GSU softball. So if you ever come to see a softball game, anybody that comes to listen to the podcast, you'll hear my old man. Um, he's very excited. Uh, he, he's winning, winning uh, you know, uh, up with the wins, down with the losses, and he got to call the walk-off today. So he was super excited about that uh, when he called me about 3.30 Eastern. Definitely a dream come true there. Yeah, you mentioned Georgia Southern. They're a surprise team. And, you know, when I went to go see them play at Louisiana Lafayette, nothing really stands out. They're just kind of the dirtbag team that really goes out and does everything they need to do to get the wins. Yeah, and I think they're they're one of those you know it's one of those programs too that they they I think took a, a little bit of a step back and, and and tried to gain some footing there when they came over uh, when they when they moved you know into the Sun Belt 
uh, baseball was a dominant program in the, in the SOCON. They, they, they had uh, NCAA regional appearances and, and were really kind of at the top of that league consistently. And we know how strong, you know, certainly over the last, you know, really decade, decade and a half, how strong Sunbelt baseball has been, um, you know, with, with obviously Louisiana doing extremely well. Coastal obviously won the national championship. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, Coastal being the name program here. I mean, Texas State, again, walking into that series this weekend, they were 10th in the nation. Um, and for Southern to walk in basically and take two of three, take the series. Uh, I, I'm very interested, you know, tomorrow when the polls come out, um, just how far Texas State drops. Because as I mentioned, I mean, Southern's right there, RPI wise. I mean, they, they've really played and beat a lot of really good teams uh, this season. And, and there's there's nothing overly flashy. I mean, I don't think there's draft picks up and down that roster by no means, but they play. They're, they're gritty. Um, you know, they, they fight and, and battle and, and you better get, you know, out number 27 or, or you, uh, you may be in for a, for a rough day. The flip side of the Georgia schools being the hot team, Arkansas state dropped another series. I don't know watching them, how you can really get that team turned around without just kind of blowing it up inside out and starting anew. It was interesting on, on, on Sunday afternoon. They they took Louisiana Lafayette down the wire, went into extras before falling. But what are your thoughts on that program of, of how exactly can they kind of right the ship and get back to being even a 500 team? It's tough. You know, and it's one of those situations ultimately when you, you know, when you're going out and recruiting, and I know we obviously you know focus on men's basketball and, and football as much, but I've talked to baseball coaches over the course of, uh, several years and, and and just being around college athletics, it's one of the most difficult sports to recruit to anyway, because you have an early signing period, you have a late signing period, of course, major league baseball draft as well. Um, and, and players want to go where they're going to, you know, play, they're going to want to win and then potentially get drafted. And so, so you have kind of a, you know, a, a ball has to start rolling basically. And it looks like it's just going in the wrong direction for Arkansas state and just continuing to go down. And I know, you know, Jeremy has talked about it on howraiser.com and, you know, it comes down to resources. It comes down to recruiting, um, you know, baseball in a lot of ways for most fans, you know, I, I kind of almost have it as a, you know, a pie where you're going to have, you know, the, the vast majority of alums are going to be interested in the football program, right? You, you want the football team to succeed. Then you're going to have a little slice of that pie. It's going to be football and maybe basketball fans, right? You're going to have that. Baseball takes up a fraction of that. And especially when you're not winning, um, it's very hard to, you know, garner support, uh, bring fans out. Um, and and, and that's, that's the most difficult thing about it is folks that don't, co- you know, watch college baseball and pay attention to it and know, Hey, look, this is, you know, this is an opportunity. Um, you know, you just have casual conversations with you know, just general college fans. They have no idea the, the, the strains and restraints and, and who's good and who's not until really, you know, the games are, you know, on ESPN and, and they're, they're, you know, the NCAA regionals or even to the college world series. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you tell people how strong the league is. You talk to people who are familiar with baseball um, you know, again, Sunbelt is a very good league, very strong, um, you know, top to bottom. And uh, you just kind of have to get out of that gutter. So by whatever means necessary, you can do that. And it comes down to players. Um, you know, I remember Georgia State for years was was one of the top hitting teams in the country, but pitching always failed them. So, you know, they, they could hit and blast and every single game. It was 14 to 11. Um, so, you know, you have to have obviously some balance there and, and go. And, and uh, I know Arkansas State 
needs a lot of help at a lot of different positions at this point. The good old TLC, a, a, a program there that has really righted the ship under first year head coach Skyler Mead, the Troy Trojans. They are just dominant when it comes to pitching, ranking 39th in the NCAA for strikeouts per nine innings with just over 10. This weekend, I got to see it firsthand. They dominated the Warhawks as they were pushing 40 Ks in the three game series. I caught up with the head coach, Skylar Mead. He gave us a breakdown of his team, as well as giving us a preview of how he sees the season shaking out for the Sunbelt Conference down the stretch. Well, you know, it starts from what you do in August. Uh, it sounds cliche, but I believe it's really true in terms of, you know, just really like enhancing the weight room stuff, cleaning up all of our guys. I mean, that's one thing. And it sounds weird because I know I'm talking about myself, but one thing we've always done is we, you know, we work hard to clean up deliveries, try to boost guys' confidence and how they go about their routines and stuff like that. And so I think that's certainly a big part of it. And, you know, there's there's some young guys that are really hungry here that have taken advantage of opportunities. And, you know, when we see guys that are doing well, we're going to roll them as much as possible. Your first year in the league, you're definitely one of us here in the Sun Belt, but you're still kind of the outsider looking in. How do you see this league kind of shaking out here in the latter half of the season? It's a great, that's a great question. I, I don't have a real pulse in terms of like overall with the league. Obviously, I try to watch many games. I know tonight I'll be watching probably the South Al game on ESPN because I think during the season that's all you watch is baseball. Um, you know, I mean, look, Texas State's done the code, you know, Trout's done a great job with that group, bouncing back from last year was a bit of a disappointing year. We always know Coastal's going to have good athletes and be tough. You know, the Georgia schools are, are really good. I've been very impressed with Georgia State, especially their bullpen, what they're doing. You know, Lafayette's a nightmare defensively because they're so fast. I mean, you could just go up and down. I, I just think there's a lot of good teams in this league. I mean, look, RPI is RPI this time of year, but at the same time, we've hit the second part of the um, season part, or second part of the the year and you're like wow there's seven teams in the top 75 in rpi i does i do think that speaks volumes in terms of uh, where this league is and then where it's going what do you feel is is left for your team to accomplish this year as y'all really focus in on uh, kind of staying home there to go to montgomery for the conference tournament well you know last obviously last week or so we got to clean up some things defensively uh just making some quality plays late you know uh we got to be a little bit better about that but you know we got to just keep our guys healthy keep them twitchy i think offensively we've tried to do some things to make sure our guys stay quick with their bat um you know guys stay healthy pitching wise uh getting gary Gaines back this week was really good obviously he was dominant yesterday the young fuller both fullers really have been tremendous for us both brady and keaton and so um, we just got to make sure we just stay the course. If you keep throwing strikes, if you make simple plays, and you can be, like, diverse offensively, I think you can do pretty well throughout the course of the year, and that's our hope. So in addition to all the baseball that we have going on, we have softball going as well. Conference leader, South Alabama, kind of, a, kind of another weird situation. We talked about baseball having a lot of rainouts. We got snow also going up and down the East Coast. So South Alabama only able to play one game against Appalachian State, of course, getting the win. It was actually the Friday night game they finally squeezed in on Sunday. I don't know how they, they kind of make those games up or if they ever even worry about it before the conference because really the separation is still there that South Alabama, Louisiana, Lafayette have kind of distinguished themselves already into being that one-two slot. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, and I wonder – um, you know, how almost when we had, you know, during 2020 and 2021, when you were you know, looking at some of the other sports, do, do you need to make them up? You know, do you look at, you know, going to the win, win percentage, um, if you can't even up the games and things like that, 
Uh, but yeah, see, seeing the snow pictures from Boone were, uh, were pretty wild, uh, as we know in April, uh, all up and down uh, and seeing them just absolutely smack. We're used to seeing that on the front end, right? The front end of baseball and softball season had saying, all right, well, there's going to be some snow here and snow there. Not, not certainly, uh, you know, the, the second week of April. But it's only going to get worse as we add more northern teams to the league. Sure. With that said, though, we, they may not have to make up these games because this upcoming week is actually the Raging Cajuns traveling to Mobile to face the Jaguars. I don't think there's enough screens that I'll be able to have for all these baseball games on, on the Thursday, Thursday through Saturday because of Easter Sunday coming up. I don't know if I'll have enough bandwidth to be able to handle all the streaming or enough screens to be able to watch all these games. I'm too excited for it. it it's incredible. And I, and I think this, this is the fun. And as I mentioned a little earlier, when the cream rises to the top, you just, you're just seeing, you know, the, the level of quality and the top teams battle each other this late in the season where they can, you know, set up their pitching staffs and you're getting to see really, you know, some of the best players uh, up and down the lineup, uh, you know, in the league. And I think that's, that's my favorite time of year, quite honestly. Coastal Carolina had to bang their entire series this past weekend, one and 11 though, overall at Sunbelt conference, they'll host ULM a team. I got to see this week, Friday night, a walk off winner streamed on ESPN plus the thousandth win in program history. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know, but it was very notable. And what a way to do it. They also picked up their second series win in Sunbelt Conference play on Saturday as they beat Texas State. So we talked about everything that we have going on here in the spring. And you had mentioned it earlier, Ben, there that we have spring football going on. Yesterday on the Bayou, I got to catch up with the voice of ULM, Nick White, who joins us now to talk about the Warhawks there, Ben. Yeah, well, welcome, Nick. Welcome to the Fun Belt Podcast. Yeah, glad to be on with you guys. Uh, always uh, enjoy it and, and glad to uh, get a chance to talk about uh, ULM and uh, coming off the spring game yesterday. So, Nick, four years there that, that you've been the man of, of play-by-play, what's been your, your, your biggest memory so far in, in your brief time as the play-by-play guy? Well, there's been a there's been a few, and, and obviously, I guess full time uh, four years, and and of course from from 2015 to to the point I took over uh, for Frank Hoffman, uh, I was doing the road games. So uh, there there are a few that stand out. Um, you know, the the game against uh, UL Lafayette a few years ago, double overtime, 56 to 50. Uh, that's certainly from the football perspective that stands out. Uh, Warhawks blue. A double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, and then came back Derek Gore, uh, able to score uh, there in in double overtime and, and get that win, fifty-six to fifty. But but by far, um, it, it's this past year and that that win against Liberty. I mean, it, it's the biggest upset as far as point spread uh, going back to twenty twelve. And I remember going into that ball game and just hearing everything about Malik Willis and. You see, you know where he's at right now as far as the, the draft standings and, and a first-round pick, uh, projected first-round pick, and we knew that coming in. But but really for back-to-back years because we went to Liberty uh, during the COVID year of, of 2020, and this was a series that that was already you know planned a home and home. And uh, ULM, we were talking about that actually uh, yesterday in the broadcast, Mike McGee and I and, and Tag Rome. Uh, we were just talking about how, you know, really in both those games, the, the Warhawks, uh, even though losing in 2020 to Liberty, um, you know, really did a good job on, on him. But but just the atmosphere. And then, Dusty, you know, you know better than anybody. Uh, you know, you've been around it, around it for a while. 
uh, you know, the, the, the misfortunes of, of, you know, the kicking woes and the history of Warhawk football and, and how many, you know, bowls and, and oppor- I, know, I know off the top of my head, three bowl opportunities have gone awry uh, due to missed kicks in the final game and a couple against Lafayette. And, and so, you know, for, for Callum Sutherland to hit a 53-yarder uh, towards the south end zone, which has always kind of been the house of horrors for this football team, uh, that was just uh, just thrilling, and then to see the defense capitalize and, and close that thing out uh, was just spectacular. So those two uh, really, really stand out. You know, we've had some heartaches in there as well, and that's you know back-to-back years against the Cajuns, missing kicks, and there have been a few others as well, and, and obviously a, a West uh, title uh, missed opportunity you know, by, by one and uh, some bowl games as well. But uh, those two, as far as wins go, they, they definitely stand at the top of the list. I'm wiping tears, having flashbacks of that Florida State game already. Thank you. Thank Florida you, State, yeah. yeah I, I didn't even mention that one. That would have, that would have been number one. You know, that, that's, a great, that's a great story to tell. Uh, you know, in 2019, obviously, ULM uh, at Florida State. And, uh, you know, the, the decision in overtime, uh, and of course, I, I'm – immediately knowing the history and, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you're sending the kicker out. Caleb Evans has been unstoppable. You don't want to second guess, but, but, and I didn't say that on the air, but I'm thinking it. And lo and behold, you, you missed the PAT and, and you lose that ball game in overtime. Uh, and it's funny in the fourth quarter, because, because obviously it was, it was a pretty big upset brewing. Uh, our producer uh, back in, in Monroe at the flagship uh, gets on during a break and says, Hey, we're getting calls from, uh, New York and Los Angeles and, and Bristol, Connecticut. And I said, yeah, those, those like Fox and all these things. Like, make sure they patched into this call, you know, because they, they wanted to try to get the the, the call if, if ULM had won that thing. And uh, I guess that was my my big sports center moment that uh, that went awry right there with that, that this PAT. But uh, you talk about um, – uh, yeah, that that I didn't bring that one up, Dusty. That that one might might stand up there as well. Here's another great story. I'm a pin thrower. Whenever I, I get frustrated during the course of a ball game, whether it be football or basketball, and uh, I'm pretty sure that my pin flew out the window and might have gouged somebody's eye out. A Florida State fan, uh, whenever they missed that PAT, uh, either that or I broke the window because that that pin was gone. Uh, I threw it so hard and. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, it, it, that that one was was a, a quiet flight back to Monroe. I can tell you that much. Well, well Nick, I'll tell you um, as a guy uh, pre GSU. Of course, we're uh, you know we're only thirteen years old uh, with our football program. I was born a Knoll, so my dad and I are season ticket holders. Uh, right, two thousand and nine. Uh, I watched every single snap of that game, and uh, I could not tell you the level of expletives that were flying across my text chain uh, between myself, my uncle, several cousins. Uh, the vast majority of my family is from Florida. So uh, as you were disgusted, uh, they <laughs> relieved, I will tell you that much. Uh, and then it kicked up again, of course, when, uh, when Florida State went down in a heap. Uh, to Jacksonville State, uh, soon to be FBS members this year. So the Knowles have been flirting with uh, with disaster for quite a long time. But uh, yeah, well, I can tell you if if you know, and he obviously got got his pink slip. But but if ULM pulls that off, uh, Tiger wasn't making it out of the building that night. And uh, oh no, you know, he, he'd have been he, gone the press conference. It'd have been it'd have been yeah. press conference, and here's 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 the the car call call yeah. or the Uber and probably the moving company. 
And, man, you know, again, you, you think about that ball game, and you hate to live too much in the past, but, you know, I think about Caleb Evans, and, and man, you know, he, he, he was unstoppable. If, if you really got to believe if you go for two and you just you just put the ball in Caleb's hand, ULM's going to win that ball game 43-42. And, um, you know, that, that didn't happen. I don't, you know, Coach B, I, I love Coach B and, and Coach Viator, and, um, you know, he, he trusts his gut on that and then immediately owned up to it, said he should have went for two. And, and so he, he obviously uh, admires somebody that can do that. But, uh, man, I think about how special Caleb was and his four years. And, and, and obviously, I know we're going to get into this year, uh, the man that kind of engineered the offense, Matt Cubic, being back with ULM. Cube and I were talking, uh, you know, recently and just how, how special Caleb was. And, and you, you hate to say this, but you almost feel like, you know, Caleb Evans got wasted uh, with his career here. And I don't, I don't think people here in Monroe will ever fully appreciate how good he was, how special he was. And all you got to do to me is put on the film of the last game of his career, his ULM career, uh, against uh, against the Raging Cajuns, and, and in the last drive, he he single handedly, along with a, a spectacular catch by Josh Peterson, uh, puts the Warhawks in position to win the football game with a field goal, and, and obviously uh, that was missed, and and that's how his Warhawk career ended. You know, win that ball game, you're going to a bowl, you get an extra one, and uh, all you got to do is look and see what he did in the CFL this year, and uh, really realize how, how good of a player he is and was. So Nick. Uh- I kind of put you on the spot here. Last three years, Warhawks have had six conference wins. Do you mm-hmm. feel that that the program's headed in the right direction under Terry Bowden, and that those six wins can can continue to multiply? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I, I think I think you know last year, man. You know, we we, we talked about it yesterday because because obviously we're, it's more of a conversationalist broadcast. Whenever you're doing. Uh, a spring game. And and so we kind of, you know, reflected back on last year and, and man, you, you get four and three and you're thinking, all right, you're going bowl and you're going to get to at least six wins. And then you drop your last five. And uh, there's certainly, you know, fans, you know, thoughts and reasons why, why that happened. I don't want to dive into any of that obviously right here, but um, yeah, I think so. I think being in the building, you know, and, and seeing, uh, what Terry wants to bring to the table and, and trying to change and flip the mentality uh, with still, you know, the stuff you hear about all the time, the lowest budget facilities and blah, 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 blah. Uh, he, he's kind of embracing that and, and trying to change the culture there. And, and, you know, coaching can, can only do so much, but you, you got to get players. I mean, that's the game right now. And uh, that that's, that's going to be, you know, with this schedule, it's pretty tough this year, especially non-conference at Texas, at Alabama, at Army. Uh, you got Coastal Carolina coming in on the east side. And then, obviously, in the west, you, you got to deal with the Cajuns. And uh, you got to deal with, with some some pretty pretty solid teams uh, in there. You got to take a trip to you know Georgia State as well, which has been a house of horrors uh, of the last two years uh, there against the Panthers. So, uh, you will see. I mean, I, obviously, it's going in a better direction than, than from 2020. And, and you know, what one and a half, I think, was the win total Vegas had going into the year, and you eclipse that after a couple of weeks, a few weeks there, and, and then you get those the four and three, and then the disappointing end. So, uh, and that's something we talked about yesterday, too. You know, if you would have told me before kickoff that uh, ULM would end up with four wins, I would have said, heck yeah, give it to me. And then 
you, you get to four and three, and then you you lose your last five, and then you say, man, that was disappointing, you know. But but it was still from, from those standards coming from a winless year. I think uh, an impressive job by Coach Bowden in year one, and and I think the staff has been upgraded personally. And uh, with experience with Coach Cubic coming back on the offensive side, Vic Coning, who's got some Sunbelt skins on the wall there, uh, and just John Carr coming back, uh, Coach Segler coming back to ULM. Those guys had some success here with this program, especially on the offensive side. So, uh, And what I saw yesterday, I think we're going to see ULM get back to those high offensive numbers. And if so, they're going to have a chance to go win some football games in this league. Yeah, and I, I think the, the schedule's definitely stacked against them this year. So I, I don't know if 2022 is really going to be a fair statement of, of saying where the program's at as a, as a whole. But I, I definitely think that the program is moving in the right direction. Will they hit four wins? Maybe, maybe not. But I definitely think you'll see a lot better of a product, a lot better of a team on the field, and, and definitely a, a lot more smiles there from head coach Terry Bowden. Yeah, I think so. I, I think you gotta you got to understand this was a total rebuild here too. I mean, that that's – that's that's the other thing that, that people have to realize around here that this was a a total rebuild. I mean, Owen Owen ten uh, didn't leave for a second there uh, out of that you know in twenty twenty, and I caught every second of it. And it was miserable. It was not fun. And so so once again, I, I think the progress was there to have that that massive win against Liberty uh, was great. To have these opportunities, and yet disappointment there. But definitely something to build on. But the, the schedule is tough, is tough. But the schedule was tough last year, and, and he still won four. So I think it's very doable. I think the league is is really balanced from top to bottom. Although you know, obviously, you've seen what what Appalachian State and and what uh, UL Lafayette has been able to do uh, during their time uh, here recently. They've kind of been dominant. But uh, I really you know expect that, that this league, I think top to bottom, uh, compared to other Group of Five conferences it's not comparable from top to bottom. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's a very, very balanced league and, and will be so even with the additions of Southern Miss and, and the three Eastern schools that are coming in as well. So on that note of conference expansion, what's been your thoughts as, as you kind of see these teams coming in, uh, you know, we're just a couple months away from them really becoming official uh, members of the Sunbelt Conference. Well, I love it. I, I, I love the addition of Southern Miss just from a, a travel perspective for, for us selfishly, uh, for me personally, you know, I can go and, and basically go do a game in Hattiesburg and, and, and what we call a turn and burn and, and go and depending on how the schedule and basketball or things like that, I mean, we're all, we're all focused on football, but there's way more to this. And the, the stability of this league is, and, and look for ULM as well. And in, in the other sports, you, you lost two good partners from a travel perspective in Little Rock and UTA, but that's part of progress and growth. And whenever you see the money that's going to come to these 14 teams as a result of the expansion of the ESPN deal, and you're going to have more linear television coverage and, you know, you're going to have more exposure and, and, and really great competition. Uh, this league is stable. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be nipping on the heels of the, the American very, very soon. It already are as far as group of five standings go have soared up the charts and, and will only get better. JMU won't be far off. If, if anything, they, they might be like Georgia Southern and come in and, and compete year one and, and be right there uh, as far as competitive inside this league. And uh, then, you know, Old Dominion and, and Marshall and, and Southern Miss uh, on the Western side. So I like it. I'm interested to see 
we we have the football model. We see how it's going to be modeled by the by the SEC model with the eight games. And so whenever you, you go play a, an East school, you may not go back there for a decade. Uh, but you're going to play your West schools, uh, you know, every year, home and home. Uh, that's how every other year. But uh, I'm interested to see how basketball is going to end up, uh, how they're going to do this scheduling uh, from a travel partner perspective, because I think you still have to have that. And then baseball, man, this league, as good as it, it, as it is going to be in football, and, and I think it's going to be upgraded in men's basketball, this baseball league is going to be one of the top five, I believe, in the country whenever you look at the additions of Southern Miss, ODU, and, and, and teams like that. So, uh, and obviously with the current teams that, that are in. So I, I like it. I'm looking forward to going to some new places. I, I, I'm you know sad that you won't go to Arlington or Little Rock anymore just because they were easy trips. And I'm a creature of habit, so I know where to stay, where to go eat, things like that. But uh, when I get a chance to go to the, those Eastern schools, I know where to do that in Hattiesburg as well. Uh, I'll get a chance to uh, venture out and find some new places uh, when and if I get the chance to go to those places. So I know the people that will be guiding you are the other voices around the Sunbelt Conference. Tell me about the the other voices there. I mean, I, we all know Barry McKnight at Troy is probably right. the pipes, probably followed closely by Brant Freeman there of, of Texas State, and then, of course, Nick White. And <laughs> – then, then Jay Walker of Louisiana Lafayette, a guy that we've well, had. Well, I mean, you, you, you left Jay out. I mean, you know, Jay, Jay, Jay is one in a million now, you know. So we, we this crew, and, I, and I'm looking forward to, of course, we're welcoming into our crew John Cox, who, who will have more experience than, you know, some of those guys, those first guys, Danny and all of us, D1 experience. I mean, goodness gracious, at Southern Miss, how long has he been doing it? He, he's going to be doing it for a while. I don't know uh, the the three that are coming in from the east, but we'll welcome them in. And and we're and I look, I hate I hate losing Ray Tucker and Josh Sowers, Ray at, at Little Rock, and obviously they're not football guys, but uh, Josh Sowers at, at UT Arlington. Uh, we have a text group, and and we it's slowed down a little bit lately, but during football and, and basketball, uh, we're texting each other. You know, we 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 bust each other's chops quite a bit. Uh, but I tell you what, you know, whenever you go through something personally as well, there's not a better group of guys. And I, I, you know, I don't want to get too deep in it, but I'm, I'm, I've gone through some pretty significant, you know, personal things uh, here in my life right before football season. Uh, some things that, that kind of, you know, rot my world personally. And, and that group of guys were there for, for great, you know, not here personally, you know, in person, but man, through text and the calls and, and, all the support they gave. I mean, we, we are, we are a tight knit group and whenever we get a chance to get together, uh, we, we laugh and, and, and we bust each other's chops and we have some fun Sunbelt media day and, and Sunbelt tournament uh, for basketball and baseball. I'm a, I don't do baseball anymore, but I'm planning on going down to Montgomery to go hang with the guys uh, just to get an opportunity to see them. We, we are a tight group. Uh, we have fun and I'm looking forward to welcoming uh, four great uh, new voices and others, we, we include the women's uh, and the baseball guys as well. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're an interesting fraternity, but there's not a better group of guys, professional, great at what they do, award-winning broadcasters, uh, and we all lean on each other, support each other, and have a lot of fun with each other when we get together. How could I forget Josh Showers? I mean, the man's jackets alone should, should make him a Hall of Famer. 
I agree. Uh, I think, you know, we call him kind of the, the Craig Sager of, of the Sun Belt and uh, the Craig Sager soon to be a, of the WAC. But uh, we're going to miss him so much. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going we're to send him out the right way uh, down in Montgomery, I believe. Uh, we'll, we'll have a good time with him. So, Nick, you, you talk about the closest there of, of the broadcasters. Can it take us through a, a prep for a game day and, and what that looks like in the booth? Well, and everybody does it differently. I mean, you know, it depends. You know, football to me is, is a week-long process. So the way that, that I get ready for a game um, is you say you know, once you going into the first game, you, you do a lot more prep, especially for your own team. And, and then after the first couple of games, to me, you're you're updating stats, you're doing things you know like that. And look, the, the charts that I use are, are Barry McKnight's template, uh, chart template as far as my football charts. And he does he's great resource for broadcasters. A number of us in the league and, and across the country use his templates for building charts. But uh, my the way I, I get ready for a game is Sundays, I'm off. I, I don't, as far as football, and it's different once you get to crossover season and, and sometimes you're going to be doing, uh, you know, some basketball games and things like that. But uh, I don't do anything on Sunday. Monday is, is kind of an, an information gathering day. Usually don't have game notes yet. Usually by Tuesday, you're going to have, uh, game notes for both teams and depth charts. So I call Tuesday my chart day. And so I, that's the day that I really get in there and, and pretty much an all-day process of building my charts or updating my charts for ULM and building them from there. And then the, the rest of the week is, is filling in. You're going to have updates to depth charts. So you're adding that. Uh, but, but you're studying. Uh, you're doing interviews. You're doing things like this. You're talking to the other broadcasters. Uh, you're, you're researching to me, you know, to the way I, I try to get ready for a football broadcast, you're, you're looking at putting in, uh, or at least I put in, and this is not, you know, trying to brag or anything, it's just the way that I try to prepare for a football game, is uh, 25 to 30 hours of prep going into this thing. And, you know, and, and you end up using about 10% of the information that, that you you put into your brain. So that's the process. Uh, I print them out. I print out my, my materials usually by Friday morning. I get all my live reads ready. And depending on travel or home games, uh, you, you, you know, get to the booth and you get set up. You know, by Saturday, the hay is really in the barn. And on game day, I, I don't really, you know, do anything except show up and do the game. I put it all in my brain. And then uh, once the game is over, this is something I've always kind of tried to do because – once again, the importance of, I think, having that off day and clear in your mind. I usually do a pretty good job of, uh, you know, once the game is over, uh, I flush the information on the opponent and, and kind of flush that game, whether kind of like coaches do, win or loss, and I move on to the next one. That's what I use Sunday for. I dive in. I enjoy time with my family. I watch the NFL action, go to church, do all those sort of things, and then uh, get ready for the next opponent, kind of like uh, coaching staffs and players do and getting ready for the games. Now, whenever it gets to crossover season in basketball, uh, it becomes a, a lot more challenging from a travel perspective. I can recall this year, and and we all deal with this inside the league, but, you know, playing Auburn on a Friday night, uh, getting back to Monroe at 4 a.m., uh, being at my son's, and that's the, the, the work, you know, family life balance as well that you have, uh, being at my son's uh, football playoff game at 8 a.m. on that Saturday morning, 
and then uh, getting getting to Malone Stadium and, and broadcasting the Arkansas State game. And I think that weekend I ended up with about 10 hours of sleep, just get, getting ready for all that traveling and things like that. But that's part of the job. It's what we signed up for. And uh, it's really fun and uh, just blessed to be able to be one of the few uh, Division One broadcasters in this country. And, and kind of that that's the way I look at it and go into uh, all my games. I'm good, man. Uh, hopefully, uh, Dave Cohen's got you a uh, got you a stake. Uh, he he's my guy at GSU. This is uh, he's kind of one of the elder statesmen, like J- J- yes, Walker. he is. Oh my goodness, we uh, I, I I tell people stories constantly. Uh, we we used to sit in his office and talk about what happens uh, if if uh, Georgia State ever got football. Of course, he was the voice of the Furman Paladins. Uh, would mm-hmm. make the trip up, and I, I always. Uh, I was always fascinated by by radio uh, guys and, and broadcasters. Obviously, most folks have no idea the prep time um, that, and, and the work that you guys do. And and uh, I, I you know now with social media, um, I can see when Dave's online because he's usually either tweeting something about Kiss or uh, you know that's right about uh, you know something going on or something Boston. So we uh, we we talk. Talking, we get into baseball season, going back and forth, and of course NBA playoff season. His beloved Celtics. So we back and forth about that. But yeah, um, it's 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 truly an art form, and uh, you know, I I I, I hope folks uh, in Monroe and around the surrounding areas appreciate you as as they appreciate every voice. Because I tell people, I mean, I'm of the age I grew up with radio. I had my radio guys in a variety of different sports, and uh, you know, they. they they don't call them forever. So, you know, that, you know, know, know when you have good ones and, and, and tell them, tell them about it. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, and I want to give credit to here. Um, we, we have a great, you know, second, I, I don't want to say secondary broadcaster, but our, our broadcaster for, for women's basketball and baseball now. And, and that was whenever we split from uh, double headers in basketball, uh, I decided to go on and make the move. Uh, away from baseball with with now a nine and a a seven-year-old um it's just it's really tough to do baseball and so I did step away but but I I think Mike Hammett the guy that we have and I hired him he's in his fourth year now uh he he deserves a a football job as well and and that's you know that that's part of this as well is is how how hard it is to get one of these jobs and I got very lucky being a local guy that, that, you know, Doug Mosley, who was associate athletic director at ULM started me off uh, doing men's and women's basketball. And then I added baseball. And then, you know, obviously was the, the voice in waiting with Frank Hoffman retiring after 42 years and getting football full time. But it's tough to get one of these jobs, no matter what you got to be good. Number one, uh, you got to uh, be talented. And you got to be lucky. I mean, it's a lot of, and I've had some opportunities in some other places, and some of them just weren't the right fits geographically or whatever it might have been. But uh, I'm happy to be in Monroe. I'm blessed to be the voice of the Warhawks, and you know, uh, Lord willing, I'll be I'll be sticking around for quite some time. But uh, I enjoy the camaraderie, and it is an art form, and it's great to hear you you say that and and appreciate the work that that we all put in in our craft and in our our profession. It's it's really a cool job. So with all the football, basketball, baseball, softball talk, the Sundog finally announced that we are officially back in the football game as Marshall pulled their weight and had Keith Gill bring back men's soccer beginning the fall of 2022. Something we had sponsored before, 
uh, ending in 2020 due to the COVID year. Six current members of the Sunbelt Conference, James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, Coastal, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. But then we have three affiliate members, the Kentucky Wildcats, the South Carolina Gamecocks, and West Virginia Mountaineers. Nine teams combined for over 100 all-time NCAA appearances, including Marshall's championship last year. It's incredible. If, if, you, if you can have the SEC of men's soccer, uh, that's it uh, right there. Uh, it's, it's absolutely loaded um, top to bottom. You're going to have at-larges, uh, I believe, multiple at-large bids coming out of the Sun Belt, including obviously the tournament champion to, to, to go um, into the, uh, the NCAA tournament field. Uh, just incredible uh, to, to have that level of talent uh, in, in soccer. And, uh, and honestly, a sport that has continued to grow in the Southeast. And I think due to a large part, I mean, I've talked to George State head coach Britt Cerncy about it. The MLS's expansion into the Southeast has really aided a lot of that as well, because you're seeing uh, some of those, those MLS teams as well as the uh, MLS two teams uh, kind of pocket in, in the Southeast and even kind of around the pocket of the geographical footprint, to use a Carl Benson term, uh, of the Sun Belt. You know, st- you know, having real, you know, talent continue to stay home, and and um, I, I think it's a it's a humongous win uh, for Keith Gill and the league to to bring back soccer um, and just some heavyweights, man. That that's that's going to be the fun part to me to watch. Uh, you know, certainly seeing how those teams develop, um, how the league adapts to Marshall, and obviously how a, how Marshall adapts to the league. We had an email come in over the week as well, shifting gears on that, asking why are the conference offices in New Orleans? I had no idea. So I had to do a little research. They've been in New Orleans since 1991 when the American South, which largely gave us the likes of Lamar, Southwestern Louisiana, now Louisiana Lafayette and Arkansas state merged with the Sunbelt. It's kind of centrally located to all the schools minus the new expansion schools. So maybe we got to shift a little bit more East and it, it moves over to mobile or Pensacola. So it's more centralized. But it's the perfect location. It's in the Superdome, so there's plenty of office space, plenty of, of room for the offices, and it's a premier sports town. I mean, the Final Four is there. The Super Bowl's been there many times. Uh, what more could you ask for, Ben? Yeah, and it's a convention town too. You know, they're, you're going to have you know hotels. You're going to have things to do. You're going to have you know plenty of great food, as we well know uh, from our travels down uh, down in New Orleans as well. Um, you know, there there was initially, as we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, some some potential movement, um, you know, when you have a new commissioner, you know, you want to potentially make a statement with not only staff, but could that be on the move? But yeah, it looks like it's, it's settled in new Orleans and that's, that's just fine. Probably with the membership um, there is as easy to get there. And then of course now coming off, you know, 2020 and 2021 um, if people can't make it in, in person, you know, you still have the zoom option you have other things that way where you can kind of tap in and, and uh, looking forward to uh, media days. Of course, we just had um, those emails hit as well, which is always, uh, you look up and you're like, all right, now, now it's time to get serious about, you know, when media days on the horizon. No show next week, Ben. So I ask you to kick off the parting shots, plugs and promos. Yeah. You talked about it, man. Uh, something's in the water uh, in Atlanta. Uh, there's a lot of winning going on in, in uh, at Georgia state. And, and I think it's a credit obviously to the coaching staff and the players as they're continuing to power through and uh, looking forward to a great, 
uh, week uh, series, Georgia State versus Georgia Southern. Uh, from where I sit, it's always state, not Southern. Um, and uh, looking forward to that rivalry and that battle down in Statesboro. Um, we say state with the apostrophe, Statesboro, there for anybody interested. But yeah, pantertalk.com, we're still talking recruiting. Um, we have a new basketball coach, uh, Jonas Hayes, didn't even mention that on the podcast, but he uh, gets formally introduced tomorrow at 1.30. Uh, will be streamed on ESPN Plus for those interested in, in, uh, in taking a look at that. So uh, he's landed two uh, high major commitments, big-time players as he's trying to rebuild uh, that roster uh, that went to the NCAA uh, tournament and uh, got smacked by Gonzaga. So he's trying to get back and build that. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with Jonas. And uh, I'm going to also ask him if we can get him on the, the Fun Belt podcast very, very soon, too. So uh, plug, plug, plug. I'm going to try to get him uh, sooner rather than later. But, uh, yeah, that's what we got going on, of course, recruiting and baseball and softball and all the other fun stuff that's going on in Pantherland. So back to you, sir. You have to remind him of the power of the show. The, the, of, of all the accomplishments that we have had for everyone that's been on the show. It, it, it's, it's dumbfounding. We, we, just, we just won't bring up Chanda over at Troy. Just, just we'll, we'll skip right past that one. Yeah, we're, we're, we got to delete that from the catalog. <laughs> Warhawk Report breaking down the spring game there for the Warhawk football team, as well as breaking down a transfer portal visitor that the Warhawks hosted over the weekend for men's basketball. But Ben, my, my parting shot for you, it's great when a guy can hit a home run, pimp it out, fat flip, but you better make damn sure that you're, you're on the right side of that. This past week, Sam Houston State was at Houston. Houston guy hits a home run. He's pimping it, bat flipping it, trips over first base to injure his shoulder. Guys, that, that, that just... And, and then, of course, the, the right thing to do in the unwritten rules of baseball, you throw at the next guy of, hey, you can't show up my pitcher. But if I'm that batter, I'm pissed that I'm getting thrown at because your dumbass tripped over first base. It's a conversation that has to happen. You know, we know the unwritten rules of baseball, but uh, come on, man. And and look, Coastal, Coastal had a guy pimp a home run, and then they took an L on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, Georgia Southern, you know, I saw the video as well as he gets tagged out and kind of claps his hands right there in front of the first baseman. They're, you know, we, we know baseball more than any other sport has the uh, those unwritten rules, and uh, you kind of have to do things the right way. But I agree totally, man. If you're, uh, if you're going to pimp a home run, you become viral in a hurry when you trip over first base. I did see that video. Other than that, guys, Dusty Tilda, Warhawk Report, Ben Moore for Panther Talk. We'll be back in two weeks after the Easter Bunny comes and visits us. Until then, be sure to check us out online, Twitter, Funbelt PC, where we will be uh, recapping the week, the exciting week upcoming of baseball and softball matchups.